Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. They had put the traditions of the elders above what God had said. And that applies to the church in America to a huge degree. Matthew 15? Okay. You're a great finder for things. <laughs> Matthew 15. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And what Jesus was, was getting at is this religion of Judaism that had arisen uh, over the hundreds of years after the Lord gave the law to Moses. And those were the commandments of God. And we're actually going to look at some of that in, in Deuteronomy today. But this, this religion of Judaism had, had arisen where... Their, their practices were based on the traditions of the elders and the teachings of the elders more than the word of God that was given to Moses. And, and Jesus was, was trying to correct them and take them back to a, a right priority system where... Uh, the things that God had said were up here, and the things that the traditions of the elders and, and the teachers were, were down here somewhere. And, and they had flip-flopped things. And that's what Jesus was saying. And over the hundreds of years since Jesus died and rose again, another religion has come, become popular 
called Christianity. And in it, we have done the very same things. We, we have uh, elevated the, the traditions of men, the things that we grew up knowing and doing and expecting, and uh, not, not so much looked to the Word of God for what this is supposed to look like. And yes, I'm stepping on all of our toes right now. I don't think in the first century when the followers of Jesus met in his name that they really had much of an idea of what was going to happen. Because God was in their midst. And when, when God is, is in our midst, anything can happen. And, and that's the exciting thing. That's, that's part of the reason that, that we, as the people of God, gather. Because in, in our own, at home, you know, in, in our own private worship of the Lord and, and seeking of the Lord, we, we experience some of his presence, but when we gather corporately, there's a multiplication of that that should take place. And, and particularly, it will take place as, as we all are, are spending our time worshiping him on our own and receiving from him on our own and that we, we actually come here full and, and ready to give something uh, rather than what, what is probably too often the case, maybe not as much here as some places, but I, I think it's way too true most places, that the people of God come to gatherings like this because they, they need an IV and they, they need ICU. They, they, they need an infusion of life because what they had is just about ebbed to the very end and, and they, they need something. <laughs> so, so the people of God come and, and say... Give me something <laughs> so, so that I can keep going. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, that is a tradition of men that needs to go. And this, see that the Lord does this. He... He will tell you to do something and you will say yes thinking you know what that looks like. And then as you 
pursue the doing of it, it becomes something very different than what you thought. If that has not happened to you, then do something that the Lord tells you to do, and you will experience it. The solemn assembly is, is one of those things. Uh, the Lord is in this, and this, this is not going to be the only one in, in this city. Uh, but it, it's something we need to do in obedience to the Lord uh, to, to get things started, I think, in, in this city. There's, there's a lot for us to repent of individually and corporately. Um, so I'm, I'm asking all of us to try to spend at least an hour a day before the Lord every day from now until the solemn assembly. And, and ask him to shine his light in your heart, in your life, and, and show you um, what is on his heart for you to deal with. And, and deal with those things as he brings them up. Because we're, we're going to deal with some things at the solemn assembly, we're, we're going to deal with corporate things at the solemn assembly because there are corporate things that we as a body need, need to deal with. Now, what, what is a solemn assembly? I've, I've had that question a number of times. The best... The definition I, I can give for a solemn assembly is it, it, it is a means of appropriating the grace of God. It's, it's a, a means of appropriating the grace of God corporately. so that we can move into healing and deeper obedience before the Lord. That's, that's the best definition I can come up with of a solemn assembly. Now, there, there are numerous examples of solemn assemblies in the Old Testament. And there's at least one in the New Testament. And I really believe that Jesus, in speaking to the seven churches of Revelation 2 and 3, I, I believe that he was calling those seven churches to solemn assemblies. At least five of them. Granted, two were 
not in serious error. And so I, I was, you know, struggling, trying to decide which example or examples of solemn assembly that, that we would look at today. Uh, I, I'm going to give you a number of examples, and, and you can look at these. But basically, what, what happened, the pattern, is that the, the Lord would, would reveal himself to a person, generally a prophet or a king, and would, would give that person a burden to see the people uh, come back to God. And because generally there, there had been a, a preliminary judgment experienced by the people. And then God would reveal himself and his heart to an individual like Samuel or King Hezekiah. And that person would, would call the people to corporate repentance, to, to stop the false worship that they were involved in, stop the idolatry, stop the disobedience to what God had said, and, and to turn once again to the Lord. And, and, and remember... Uh, what I, part of what I spoke about last week was out of Deuteronomy 11, where, where the call to the people was, was to love the, whole, love the Lord their God with, with their whole being, to, to walk in His ways, and, and, and to essentially live in his personal space. Uh, and and we, we don't often get that last part as an Old Testament revelation of God because we, we think of that revelation of God as, as being more New Testament. Well, the Old Testament revelation of God was not inferior to the New Testament revelation of God. The Old Testament revelation of God is not the least bit inconsistent with the New Testament revelation of God. So, then the people, generally not all of the people, but many of the people would come when the solemn assembly was called and, and they, would, they would come and they would together repent before the Lord, many times they would reinstitute celebration of the Feast of Passover, which we, we all know that the celebration of Passover is, is such a clear prophetic picture of salvation. Uh, and 
And so that, that was what was taking place. They, they, they were repenting and, and being saved and delivered and healed once again and restored to being the people of God. So I, I want to take us to Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, a passage that most of us are familiar with. Because this, this is the, the clearest call to solemn assembly in, in the whole Bible. And, and we have to see this in, in the context that it was given. This, this is the Lord speaking to Solomon after the dedication of Solomon's temple, the, probably the most amazing structure ever constructed on, on the earth. And, and the Lord knew these people. He, he knew that they were going to turn from him. And, and that they would experience the, the judgment of the lack of his blessing, the, the withdrawal of his blessing. But he gave Solomon the remedy. And, and, and this is the remedy. And I think I, I gave you 13 and 14. So when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that, that is repentance right there, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. So that, that is the prescription. And so what does the problem look like? And I, I want all of us to have in our walking around knowledge and memory at least an overview of Deuteronomy 28. Uh, to me, it's one of the most important chapters in, in the entire Bible. One that reveals the heart of God in a, in a depth that that is hard to find in another single passage anywhere in the Bible, and and I want to look at that because this gives us understanding and revelation about what's happening in in our day. So we're not going to look at the whole. Um, 
chapter, but we're going to look at a good part of it. So Deuteronomy 28, starting out with the blessings of obedience. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. Why wouldn't they be if all this was happening? <clears throat> and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your livestock, in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall, go, you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I command you today being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left hand and go after other gods and serve them. <clears throat> this is the intent, the heart of God for his people, that we would look like that. When, when Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount that, that we were to be salt and light, that's exactly what I think was, was on his mind, on his heart. Because if, if you look like this, you're, you're going to be salt and light. I mean, everybody's going to look at you and wonder. What, what do those people have going on? And, and there was, there was a, a literal fulfillment of this in the Old Testament, in the, the reign of Solomon. When Solomon had so much silver 
the word says that it was like the gravel on the road. That Israel was, was so wealthy and, and was so revered by, by everyone. The, the queen of Sheba traveled probably thousands of miles just to see if even half of, of what she had been told was true about this kingdom. And when she got there, she said she hadn't even been told half of what it was, that it was actually twice as glorious as what she had been told. And so that is, is what God wants for us. And if, if you think back in American history, a few decades, uh, what I just read uh, sounds somewhat descriptive of what our country was like. But I'm about to read the description of what our country is like now. The second half of Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And that word overtake is, is kind of like being tackled in football. They will run after you and come upon you. Like the blessings did in the first part of this. Well, now it's something else. Cursed will you be in the city and cursed will you be in the field. Cursed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed will be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed will, will, be, will you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat, with drought and blight and mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And the heavens over your head will be bronze, and the earth under your feet will be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven, dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. And the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way, 
against them and flee seven ways before them, and you will be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. I think that's probably enough. You get the idea. It's, it's opposites. Um, the blessings that the Lord wants to give to a people who are wholly his versus the removal of those blessings to people who are in compromise and trusting in something other than the Lord our God. We, we see the condition of, of our nation. It's, it's not because evil has gotten more evil. What, what we're seeing is Deuteronomy 28 playing out. When, when the people of God are, are not being faithful to the Lord their God. What, what we're seeing in our day is, is what happens when the salt becomes unsalty or I I can put that another way when the salt has become unsalty and and the light is hidden under a basket See, what's, what's happening in our nation, and, and the Lord spoke this to me last night, is, is the result of the people of God, the condition of the people of God. If, if we were the salt and light that the Lord intends for us to be, our nation would not be where it is right now. But kind of like Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees about how this religion of Judaism had taken them in a wrong direction. Uh, a, a religion called Christianity in America has, has taken many people in a wrong 
direction. And, and, and we're, after the solemn assembly, we're going to talk about what it means to be the people of God, about what the church should look like. Because, I mean, it's, it's primarily the fault of people like me that, that this nation is, is where we are. Pastors, leaders in, in the body of Christ. Because many of us have, have been satisfied if people will just come on Sunday and give their tithes and, and just, just be here, uh, then, you know, we're, that's, that's okay. I'm telling you, that's not okay. That, <laughs> the, the glory has departed. And for the most part, we haven't noticed. There, there's glory that the Lord wants to pour out on his people. But he's got to get his people to a new place to, uh, to do that. We've, we've got to want it. We've got to want it more than anything else in our lives. See, Jesus is coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. And it's it's that bride who has made herself ready upon whom the Lord is going to pour out that glory. And this is, uh, this goes back to something else that I talked about last week, the, the last great move of God that Dick Mills talked about. It was, it was going to be a people who had made themselves ready and just waited in abeyance to the Spirit of God. Just, just waited in the presence of God for what God wanted to do. And if, if you haven't started listening to Terry Bennett's series on why we fight you should do that it can get you a little um, <laughs> down if you eat too much of it but 
there's there's so much truth in there that we we need it as we're we're so far from truly entering in, into the battle that God has for us that we as the people of God we we've got to fight a battle to even get into the real battle and that battle that we're in now is is the battle to be an overcomer the the battle to overcome the old man who still wants to run the show and and still wants what he wants or she wants all the time cuz there's there's a verse it's it's the the last verse of the book of judges that is a little bit too descriptive. Of where the church is in America. In those days, there was no king in Israel, so everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And then there's another passage at the the very last verse or two of the Old Testament that speaks to us Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6 Behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. We must honor our spiritual fathers. We we must turn our hearts to what the spiritual fathers of our nation have been saying. And there's there's another verse in the Old Testament that I, I forget, I think it's in Isaiah that says when the righteous begin this is a, a loose paraphrase when when the righteous the spiritual fathers begin to die pay attention because it may be that that God is having mercy on them that they don't have to go through the bad stuff And I want to share with you a few things 
that our spiritual fathers have been saying. Bill Bright was a spiritual father to our generation. Uh, He started Campus Crusade for Christ, which my understanding is it's the largest mission organization in the world. And and he was he was a man after God's heart. He passed away not very long ago. He said, God does not tolerate sin. The Bible and history make this painfully clear. I believe God has given ancient Israel as an example of what will happen to the United States if we do not experience revival. He will continue to discipline us with all kinds of problems until we repent or until we are destroyed, as was ancient Israel, because of their sin, sin of disobedience. David Wilkerson is another significant spiritual father to to our nation. Uh, he, He was the country preacher in the cross and the switchblade who pastored Times Square Church for decades, cleaned up Times Square, started um, the Teen Challenge Recovery Ministry. Uh, The man was a prophet. I got to hear him speak when I was probably about eight or nine years old. And he, he spoke a prophecy that sounded bizarre at the time. But he, he spoke about how the enemy was, was going to bring the most vile pornography into every home in America. And this is before anybody ever heard of a videotape, cable TV, a DVD, satellite TV, whatever, or the internet, which is probably the worst. And he spoke that when I was about nine years old. It, it has come to pass. <clears throat> he said, this is in 1999, he said this, Our nation right now is receiving its final call to repentance just prior to a great judgment, which many would say came in 2001 on September 11. I believe America stands at the brink of an economic and social collapse. Now I say this not because I've had a vision or dream about it. Rather, I have simply studied God's word. And I discern from the scriptures that God is dealing with America in the same way he has dealt with all nations who have forsaken him. The fact is, God's ways are absolutely unchangeable when it comes to his dealings with sinful nations. 
There is no shadow of turning in his ways. He works the same way in every generation because he is just. In short, he will deal with our generation in the same way he has dealt with every other generation that has sinned as we are sinning. By learning these principles of his ways from Scripture, we can deduce exactly how he will deal with us today. And this is a serious issue of understanding the ways of God that confuses many people. There is a serious difference between the way that God deals with individuals and the way that he deals with nations or cities. I encourage you to look up Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural speech and, and look at what uh, a man after seeking after the heart of Lord, the Lord said about the Civil War. But to give you an example of the difference between how God deals with individuals and how he deals with nations, uh, the war or the battle of Fredericksburg, uh, a book was written about the revival that was taking place in the Confederate camp and in the Union camp in, in the evenings. As they sat around the fires and preachers preached the word of God and hundreds of these men in the army on both sides were, were being saved. And in fact, there, there's a story how they both, both sides broke out in, in the same hymn at the same time. And in the morning, they would line up and slaughter each other. And, and thousands died. God had mercy and saved individuals, but he was bringing judgment upon a nation. And if, if you wonder about how, whether Jesus judged anyone or called anyone to repentance. Do, do a Bible search on uh, repent and, and see how many times it's in the New Testament and see how many times it was spoken by Jesus. Many, many times, not just in Revelation 2 and 3 also in the Gospels. And Jesus talked about judgment as well, even though he didn't pronounce judgment on any individual. He spoke about the judgment that was going to come on specific cities. So there's a difference. Billy Graham uh, Quite probably the the most um, known 
spiritual father of, of our generation. On July 19th, 2012, he's in his 90s and, and probably will not be with us much longer. He, he wrote an open letter to the church in America. And this is what he said. Uh, the title of the letter was, My Heart Aches for America. Some years ago, my wife Ruth was reading the draft of a book I was writing. When she finished a section describing the terrible downward spiral of our nation's moral standards and the idolatry of worshiping false gods such as technology and sex, she startled me by exclaiming, if God doesn't punish America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. She was probably thinking of a passage in Ezekiel where God tells why he brought those cities to ruin. Now this was the sin of Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them, as you have seen. I wonder what Ruth would think of America if she were still alive today. In the years since she made that remark, millions of babies have been aborted, and our nation seems largely unconcerned. Self-centered indulgence, pride, and a lack of shame over sin are now emblems of the American lifestyle. Just a few weeks ago, in a prominent city in the South, Christian chaplains who served the police department were ordered to no longer mention the name of Jesus in prayer. And this has since happened with chaplains in the military. It was reported that during a recent police-sponsored event, the only person allowed to pray was someone who addressed the being in the room. Similar scenarios are now commonplace in towns across America. Our society strives to avoid any possibility of offending anyone except God. Yet the farther we get from God, the more the world spirals out of control. My heart aches for America and its deceived people. The wonderful news is that our Lord is a God of mercy, and he responds to repentance. And I'll go on and finish. In Jonah's day, Nineveh was the lone world superpower, wealthy, unconcerned, and self-centered. When the prophet Jonah finally traveled to Nineveh and proclaimed God's warning, people heard and repented. I believe the same thing can happen once again in our nation. And, and Nineveh is, is a great picture of, of the mercy of God. Because, because there we had a city that represented a nation uh, and the most powerful city and nation in the world at the time. 
They were not Israel. They were not Christians. But this is how God deals with nations and cities. And he was about to bring judgment upon Nineveh. But being the merciful God that he is, he gave them a warning. And, and to Jonah's dismay, they repented and, and avoided the judgment that Jonah the prophet really wanted them to, to undergo. To be salt and light, we, we can't do that on our own. I, I, I can't make myself salt or light by trying something or by doing something other than drawing near to God and being a person who is, is in his presence because then, then his light, the light of his presence begins to illuminate me and I begin to be light where, wherever I go. And it's, it's like Jesus said when he was talking about this in, in Matthew 5. You know, what, what good is salt if it loses its savor? It's, it's good for nothing but to be thrown on the path as, as waste. But the beautiful thing is God can take salt that's lost its savor and he can renew the savor in it. He can make it salty again. But I, I think what, what has to happen to us is we, we have to come to the kingdom as little children again. And, and we, we have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, we, we don't even know how to be your people. We don't know what that looks like. Because we haven't really seen it. We know what the church looks like that we've grown up in, but we don't know what the church is supposed to look like. So would, would you heal us, and, and would you show us? Because somebody's got to get this right. There, there will be a bride who has made herself ready. Or Jesus' return will just keep getting postponed. And, and things will get worse. I mean, un unfortunately, that, that's how this works. Uh, it's... 
it, it would be easier for us to have the solemn assembly and, and repent now and, and be restored, have that release of grace now to, to truly be the people of God now than when times are worse. It, it will be more urgent then, but it will not be easier then. Because it, it, it will be easier then to get offended at God, and especially for us here in America who, who think we, we have uh, a, a right to a, a nice middle-class lifestyle. Uh, God is not so concerned with, with our nice middle-class lifestyles. He, he's more concerned with our hearts. So, I, I think that's as far as I need to go today. <clears throat> the Lord would, would do a deep work in us through this solemn assembly if if we will let him and it's it's my prayer that he will move on all of our hearts to decide anew to to be his people whatever that looks like. Because I'm quite sure of this, we, we don't know what it really looks like to be completely His. Um, I know one thing it looks like, and it's the first half of Deuteronomy 28, which is glorious. but it, it means getting out of ourselves. And, and it means coming under a king, Jesus. So remember the problem that they had at the end of the book of Judges was they had no king. So basically, everybody did whatever they wanted to. They did what was right in their own eyes. If, if we would be the bride who's made herself ready, and if we would be the people who, who truly enter into the spiritual battle that that God is, is seeking people to enter. And it, it's a battle that's fought in, in the place of prayer, primarily. Uh, then he's, he's got to get us to a new place. And, and, and the good news is that this is his way. 
as, as we saw in Second Chronicles 7.14. This, this is how he heals a nation. So I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you that you're you're a good God. You're completely good. You're full of mercy. You're full of love toward us. You're you're for us. Getting to maturity and, and to fullness. But Lord, we <clears throat> we confess we, we don't even know what our problems are. We need you to shine your light within us. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves, to seek your face, to turn from our wrong and evil ways. and heal us. Lord, take us, take us to a new place. And that, that is what you want to do. I, I know. So Lord, we, today we just confess our need for you. We, we say yes. And I just, I invite you to say yes with me. Lord, we say yes to you. Will you, will you have your way in us and among us corporately? Do a, a beautiful work. And Lord, as we seek you, I ask you to meet us and speak to us. And we thank you for the warnings of our fathers. We choose to heed them and honor them. For the glory of your Son. Amen.